Hello, everybody. Welcome along to today's episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. And on today's podcast, we welcome founder of Fleek Marketing, Johnny Ross. Johnny, thanks very much for joining the podcast today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. Um, we're going to be talking on today's uh, show about... Um, Google, about event websites, about SEO, all of those sort of things that are interconnected with event websites. Um, and it's an interesting subject matter, and it's not one that we've addressed directly on the podcast before. Um, the vast majority of events will have a dedicated website for their event. Um, and many, many event organizers now choose to go down the route of using third parties um, to expand the profile of their events, event listing sites, particularly in the live music industry are very, very common. But we're keen to tap into some of the expertise that Johnny possesses to find out a little bit more about how you can actually climb the Google ladder um, with your own website specifically. Johnny, as I said, thanks very much for joining us today. First of all, give us a bit of a background about your agency, Fleek Marketing, and what it is that you guys do there. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so we, uh, our passion and uh, we, uh, are, we're deeply rooted in search engine optimization. That's where we've come from. Um, we uh, now offer lots of uh, training and consultancy and digital campaigns. Uh, but as I said, deep rooted with SEO. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I had a sunglass website uh, many years ago, which um, uh, was at the top of Google for pretty much everything and uh, suffered a Google penalty. Um, and uh, we lost 40% uh, of our turnover over a, uh, like a, an 18 month period. Um, spent a fortune on SEO uh, and got absolutely uh, nowhere. To, spent tens of thousands of pounds trying to get back to page one. Uh, you know, we, we were bigger than Shade Station and Debenhams at the time. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, but um, uh, we got paid, we were still on page seven, 18 months later. In the end, I found a guy in New York who was on $250 an hour. Uh, and within uh, two weeks, he got us back to page one. Um, I learned a massive amount, became really uh, passionate about SEO and, and really frustrated with the SEO industry. So, uh, so yeah, that's the background. Um, and I suppose without dumbing it down too much, I think it's important that we actually give people a bit of an insight as to what we're actually talking about when we talk about search engine optimization and SEO. I would imagine that the vast majority of people, if not all of the people listening and tuning into today's podcast, will have heard the term and will be vaguely familiar with it. But would it be fair to say that whilst a lot of people are vaguely familiar with it, they don't fundamentally understand exactly what it is it can be done and this is why sometimes agencies and seo experts quote unquote can sometimes be sort of frowned upon absolutely and, and i think they often are frowned upon um so we're talking about optimizing a, a website or a platform or or a page uh, it could even be a, a linkedin company profile but optimizing something uh, to appear, appear higher in 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 a search engine and and again that could be a linkedin search or it could be uh, a google search so um and there's loads of different techniques. There's loads of different opinions as well. And that's half the problem. Um, and we're playing it and it's playing a game. We're playing a game with Google. Uh, Google has a set of guidelines. Um, 
but uh, you know they're not always black and white uh, and it's about really trying to understand them and trying to understand what's right and what's wrong and, and what techniques work um, but there's some some real fundamentals to SEO and, and for me the biggest thing I learned was it's about common sense and it's about really understanding what Google is as an organization and a company and what they're trying to achieve uh, and making sure that you know if you can deliver the sort of websites that they're trying to serve to their users which is just you and me and everyone else uh, we're looking for fast websites we're looking for websites that give us relevant information that give us what we're looking for that give us a, a good user experience if we use some common sense apply that uh, then actually playing the game is quite easy Sure. And, and uh, as I said, people will have been familiar with the term SEO, uh, undoubtedly. And in a similar way, they'll have been familiar with um, the term keywords, um, you know, the, the keywords that people may use when they're going onto Google to search for a particular item or website or service or organization. Um, but, but then where the understanding, again, may become clouded a little bit is, is how those keywords can actually be affected uh, positively within your own website within that framework and I suppose that that comes to the fundamental of what we're talking about today doesn't it with event websites um, event websites will contain as far as their owners are concerned loads of critical information loads of really important information about that particular event but may not necessarily address the issue of SEO yeah so keywords is a huge aspect of search engine optimization it's about really understanding um, going back to you know who are you trying to engage with who's your target audience um, really getting to, into the mindsets of those different people because there will be different groups of target audiences that you're trying to to uh, engage with and trying to understand from their point of view um, what they might be searching but also intent uh, plays a massive factor now as well so not only have you got to work out what they might be searching, but also really understanding um, the time of day and the device that they're on. So, for example, uh, someone searching for something, uh, you know, in the evening on a mobile phone uh, compared to daytime on a desktop could have very different in intent. Sure. Uh, be using this keyword um, so it's and and so it's really understanding uh, how people uh, search what people type really uh, getting to grips with the different audiences but also thinking about um, and and how voice search uh, is playing a bigger part um, and and the way we talk to uh, devices uh, and use devices to search things we talk in a different way as well so so that's something else that needs to be be thought about so for example um, uh, typically I'd, I'd ask a question if I was going to be doing some kind of voice search talking to a device I'm less likely to to type a short phrase and I'm more likely to I'm not going to type at all am I I'm going to speak but I'm less likely to, to speak a short phrase but more likely to ask a question mm. uh, so I, I always remember um, uh, when voice search really the, the sort of light bulb moment on how big voice search is becoming uh, was when my uh, one of my kids when they were I think they were 11 at the time uh, they were doing some home with a picture of a red lobster. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I distinctly remember impressing Siri on his phone and, and saying, you know, show me pitch images of red lobsters. I'd have just typed red lobsters into, uh, into Google and, and be presented with, with a picture of a red lobster. Uh, so it, it was that sort of light bulb moment that, you know, voice search is becoming bigger here. Yeah. Um, but also the way people are using it is, is different. So, so yeah, it is a, it, it's really getting in, under the skin of 
how people of how people talk but also what people type and and what their issues are what their pain points are all the different ways of you might have a load of jargon in your industry but it's about really understanding how users what users would words they'd be using and and it's a fascinating point that you raise uh, straight away there about the difference between written language and the spoken word um, because as you rightly point out we're seeing more and more voice activated devices creeping in not just to our our lives at, at home but in business as well that that's creeping in and um perhaps unknowingly this is all having an effect on on seo and, and what people need to be aware of and how they are developing the optimization of their websites uh, is it suitable for spoken content and spoken searches that have been uh, activated by a user yeah so the big thing that voice has, has opened up is um is what we call position zero um and that's that content at the top of google that is is actually higher than position one um, so it's the sort of content that, um, you know, you ask a question to Google and, and you see that answer at the top and then, and then below you've got, you know, other people have also asked the, uh, these questions and then you start seeing some of the organic results. Sure. Um, so, uh, position zero typically can, is either a paragraph or, or a set of uh, bullet points. It could be, you know, uh, if you're looking for a particular recipe or how to apply lipstick, that, that sort of search is going to trigger a, um, a position zero uh, result uh, and and um, and you can also get so paragraphs uh, bullet points but also tables now that content is coming uh, specifically from websites that really understand how to give content to google on a plate mm -hmm. and by that i mean they're using code in their content that says to google look if someone asks this question this is the answer instead of um, just having that question on a web page with an answer and Google having to figure out that actually that's what's going on here. So um, the, at this point, we start talking about things like rich snippets and um, we talk about microdata schema um, RDFs. It's all sort of similar stuff and it's just a bit of code that's used uh, to um, wrap around content to to say to google look this is a question this is the the, the phrase of the question uh, and here's the answer that goes with that question um and that's probably the biggest difference that voice has brought along uh and uh, and if you can uh, win at position zero uh then uh, there's some there's some serious clicks to be uh, to be gotten some branding to be gotten and currently it's not monetized either so uh there's an opportunity there Sure. One, one thing that I was um, uh, keen to ask you on today's episode, knowing what the subject matter would be, was, was some of the, the, the sort of the sim most sort of simple day-to-day -day, um, tips, tricks, tools, methods that, that event organizers can use. Because there will be a lot of small to medium-sized event organizers out there who are responsible for all of the operational aspects of their events, including some of the basic maintenance of their own event website. They will be um, utilizing modern tools and, and, and simpler web design methods now to be able to actually manage content themselves. Um, and when we talk about uploading videos and pictures now, it's so easy to do. I, I'm curious to ask whether or not the ease of, of being able to do that now has actually taken away some <coughs> understanding about how important it is to make sure that files are labeled correctly or tagged correctly when they're going on there um, 
is that something that you, that you think has sort of dropped off the radar a little bit because of how easy it is now to manage websites? Yeah, um, I mean, you're right. You can end up getting lost in some of the technical detail. Um, and there are some some pretty basics to be had. And, and with a lot of the content management systems, a lot of the technical stuff is, is, is covered. Um, but it is about, you know, it is about, still thinking about labeling images as not just one, two, three dot JPEG, but all, but a descriptive net file name. Um, the, the, I think the biggest opportunity in it, if we were to go to real, uh, practical tips that, uh, you know, uh, uh, small to medium, uh, event organizers could be using on their, on their websites quite quickly is, is actually thinking about, um, SEO every step. So, so how at the back of your mind all the time. Um, so, looking at the uh, the flow of an event uh, all the stuff that happens during the the during it uh, sorry uh, prior to the event uh, then during the event and then post event but thinking about how um, uh, how you can use speakers uh, at the event how you can use uh, delegates how you can use exhibitors and for them all to play a part in search engine optimization. So just, you know, as, as a quick example, if you can come up with a strategy of getting uh, exhibitors to link to your website uh, and you can show them value as to why they're doing that, then, wow, that ticks a massive SEO box. You've suddenly generated a load of links from, you know, 100 exhibitors potentially. Um, likewise, if you can get uh, delegates to be sharing your website URL for some uh, reason by adding some value in there, uh, then things like that and also giving really good reasons and good value for for people to be coming to the website prior to be coming to the website during and, and to be coming to the website afterwards and generating traffic around these moments so uh, a lot of focus is 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 on the event itself of course and and uh, uh and, and and you know driving uh, numbers um but a lot of but a, a lot of things are missed along the way where there could be you know little small opportunities that can can make big differences especially when you've got a decent num- set of numbers as well mm. um so you know another example would be if you do have speakers at, at an event um asking them to do some short video content prior to the event that you can not just use on social uh, but you can then embed in, in in your own website it adds that uh uh, you know, not everyone wants to just read text. It adds a bit of a bit more content that makes it a bit more flavorful. Um, and, uh, and, and so it's just little things, but if you, but putting a process in place to make sure that, you know, could we get all speakers to do that? Could we get all delegates to do this, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I guess you know that that's certainly where, where companies like like your own come in uh, come into their own, isn't it? Because um, what what you're explaining to people in a fundamental sense it, it can often be quite straightforward, but it's it's having the expertise of being able to say to people these are some of the things that you just need to pay attention to. Uh, I'm sure that the once once you give that advice to people and, and no doubt you've spoken to clients where you can almost see the light bulb moment where they get it and they understand what you're saying to them that actually, Oh, I can actually do a lot of this myself, but coming to you it is for the guidance and, and the direction that I need in order to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it is. And it, and it is about those, those bits of detail. I mean, you could call it growth hacking if you wanted to, uh, which is, you know, a, a, a marketing term that not many people thoroughly understand. But actually, it's just 
tiny little tweaks that can make massive differences. Um, And it's about having stuff in mind so that you can, you know, do a a small tweak here. It's a bit like the pennies and the pounds add up and the, and the, uh, the, the, you know, a little, uh, a bit on the margin can make a big difference on the profit. Uh, that sort of uh, that sort of difference, really. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm curious to ask about the social media aspect of things because, again, uh, many event organisers will have a marketing strategy that involves a social media strategy, and they will have a social media plan and a schedule of what they want to put out there, and they will have probably a lot of effort that goes into planning what they're going to deliver via their different feeds, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever they're choosing. And that will often be totally separate to any sort of schedule of website activity. And similarly, they may not have a a schedule of activity for their website. They will just put stuff on as and when they think they need to put it on there. Um, How important is what they're doing on social media? uh, playing a part in what they could do to actually improve their rankings on Google with their actual website. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably about having an integrated approach and it's about thinking about um, the way I see it is that uh, content marketing uh, plays a huge part in, in search engine optimization. So you'd have um, maybe a, a blog or a video or, or an image, some, some piece of content as the sort of center of the uh, campaign. Um, and then you'd use social to signpost people to that uh, piece of content. So that would then in effect uh, also be ticking a massive SEO box as well. So you'd have, you know, uh, some kind of thought piece or some kind of uh, how-to guide on the website itself full of uh, nice rich keywords and, and questions and answers that people might be asking. Um, but then you'd use social to promote that uh, to, uh, you might even use some paid social to promote some of that, but you might use social to, uh, to trigger conversation around it and to signpost people to it and and all being um this generates more traffic and 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 search engine optimization and the and the other thing that um a lot of uh people miss to be fair um a lot of events don't miss it but at the same time a lot do is actually adding the event as a facebook event so you've got an event running uh, has anyone thought of actually adding it on facebook as a, uh, a, a an event on there um, and using that to drive uh, traffic and numbers as well. I, I totally get there'll be certain um, events that are sort of thinking, well, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Um, but actually there'll be a lot of B2B events or uh, a lot of events that aren't sort of very with savvy audiences or, or um, uh, that, that just haven't considered, oh, yeah, we could actually add it as a facebook event and uh, something as simple can make a massive difference well uh, uh, it, it, you, you're right to point it out because there will be b2b events out there that whose marketing teams or who's organized themselves will say oh no facebook you know that, that facebook, <laughs> facebook is a b2c platform it has no place for our event we're a big pharmaceutical convention or whatever it may be um who will like you say just say dismiss it completely I suppose the obvious question, uh, and it's a straightforward yes or no, would, does having an event listing on Facebook, does Google read event listings? Will it see how many people have interacted with that Facebook event listing, see how many people have accepted it or said that they're interested? And does it, does it pick up on that via Google? Well, I, I'm not sure the answer is yes or no. I think, I think it's a grayer area. And I think the, the, sh- the short answer is Google doesn't necessarily see that data. Right. Uh, but what Google does see is if 
got uh if facebook drives people to that event and then people start clicking through to your website then google then sees does see that data of people then of, of new traffic coming to your website so so i think it absolutely plays a part but i don't think it's as simple as google seeing how many people are going and and how far it's reaching on facebook sure um when it comes to, to, to the actual uh, uh, subject of, of working with events and event websites themselves um the, the, as i said at the very beginning of today's episode this was one that i was i was very keen to to, to look at and, and look at in a bit more detail and personally i think it's something that we can look at in more detail further down the line as well this, this to me is not just a one-off episode because it's a subject that we haven't tackled on the podcast before um uh, are you have you had experience where events have come to you and said look we're just not getting you know the traffic that we want to the website we're struggling to market the event we're struggling to get uptake on it uh, what's your own sort of personal interaction been with events or is it something that as an outsider you've looked at and thought actually they could be doing things a lot better uh so um well, well, yeah. The, the answer to that is yes. Uh, there's been lots of opportunities where uh, I've worked with event uh, organisers where they've struggled with numbers or uh, they're wanting to uh, to to put some increases in, and maybe they're doing very well, but actually they're wanting to increase by twenty percent next year. Um, and it and it is working with them to put some kind of strategy together uh, to uh, to build the numbers, not just through social, not just through face to face, but also through mm. organic and SEO. So. Um, it's it it's just about putting putting strategies together and uh, uh and, and making sure that all these things are, are thought about uh sometimes there's some really obvious things uh other times it's about digging into things like google analytics and understanding user journey and understanding drop-off points uh understanding uh you know again going back to keywords and thinking well actually there's some real missed opportunities here uh you know a lot of jargons being used but we've not thought about this particular audience who actually might talk about it in a very very different way um and uh, and and so that that, that can have uh, some big effects and, and i think one of the biggest things that uh, that i see across the industry with uh, with events is that the post event is really weak um so right. uh, the, so the, the you know the lead up is massive um there's a bit during the event um but actually the post it just drops off really quickly and what the what there isn't in there is some kind of strategy to get delegates speakers uh um uh, uh exhibitors uh, back onto that website following the event um and that could be about uh, as simple as uh having um uh you know uh, video from you know video content from the event itself i mean you know the, there's uh, the i could go into a whole nother as you said i could go into a whole nother yeah, podcast yeah. on on the actual content itself but the key thing is What's your strategy on getting people back to that website after the event? Uh, because that can drive uh, 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 some real SEO for next for the next event you're running, uh, and and that's probably where some of the biggest opportunities are. Um, how often are you asked by your own uh, customers and clients about Google Analytics and perhaps uh, presented with the opinion from them that it's just a minefield? Because I've had some experience of looking at Google Analytics um, and it strikes me as something that offers a fabulous level of detail and depth into uh, the, 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 the traffic and, and, and how a website is performing. But 
at its most basic level could be quite off-putting for, for, for people who have not got that detailed level of experience in, in analyzing it. Um, is there a way to use analytics and, and just access it and still be able to just draw some basic data that's usable on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I, th I think the key thing with Google Analytics, and I, I do lots of training with Google Analytics, is is actually before you even step into Google Analytics, really defining what it is you're trying to achieve, what are your business goals, what are your marketing goals. It sounds you know pretty standard stuff, this, but actually so many people don't have that, um, and it and it and it's about having smart objectives. What is what exactly are you trying to achieve? Right now we know that. Let's go into Google Analytics and have a look at specifically something around what you're trying to achieve and see if specifically there's an issue or there's, there's something that can be, be made better. And then the, the flip side to that is most people that look at Google Analytics, uh, certainly in, in, in small to medium businesses that aren't overly savvy, um, don't have goal and event tracking set up. And when I say event, I don't mean the event industry stuff. I mean uh, sure. Google Analytics event. Um, uh, and uh, there's goal and tracking within Google Analytics, which basically makes it very clear to Google Analytics what it is you're wanting users to do on your website. Now, without that in place, all the data in there is totally meaningless. And I would say, I mean, I, I look at uh, at least, I don't know, I don't know, uh, a minimum of five, probably 10 different websites uh, of Google Analytics a week. Uh, I would say only 30% of them uh, or let's say 50% of them have goals set up in the first place. And out of that, only 30% of them uh, actually have the right goals set up. So all that data they're looking at is completely meaningless because they've not made it clear at, uh, to Google Analytics what it is they're trying to get users to, to actually do in the first place. Mm. So those are the and basics that need doing before you then start playing with the data. And in some respects, it strikes me that the people have, have actually gone beyond why they set up websites in the first place before we had social media before we had facebook we had websites we had the basic internet in its infancy and then people suddenly realized actually we need a presence on the web we need a website that's going to be then our primary marketing tool people put all this effort into creating websites and they've almost in some ways they've almost been forgotten because people now look at social media platforms and think right well that's where all my communication focus and strategy and money needs to be spent and all my investment needs to be there and the website has almost become something that just sits there um, and presents itself a little bit and people are no longer using it as a really sort of viable part of their marketing strategy anymore where it really could be if they invested just a little bit back into there yeah no i i, I, I totally agree with you absolutely agree <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 I, I say it all the time. Yeah, I've had experience of it. I, I've, I've seen it myself. Um, it, it just seems to be this sort of massive shift where we had it for a period of time and then we've almost sort of skipped beyond it and it's still there. It's still something that people say, oh yeah, I know I've got to have it, but it just sits there and this is now where I spend all my, my money and my effort. And, and perhaps there's a little bit of re-education and refocusing that needs to be done in order to, to sort of bring people back to what they could achieve. Yeah. With. And what's, what's the purpose? Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Um, we've been speaking on today's podcast to Johnny Ross. Johnny is the founder of a company called Fleek Marketing. And I should have asked you at the top of the episode, Johnny, whereabouts you guys are, are based and where you're joining us from today. In Leeds in Yorkshire. Leeds in Yorkshire, in England, for our international for our international podcast followers. Um, Johnny, tell us if, if any of our podcast followers want to get in touch with you, maybe ask their own questions directly to you and find out a little bit more about what you guys do. How do they get in touch with you? 
uh, on Twitter at Johnny Ross, no H, Johnny Ross, uh, and the same for LinkedIn forward slash uh, Johnny Ross. Fantastic. And uh, Google Fleek Marketing. I'm certain that you'll find them fairly, fairly quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> Johnny, thanks very much for joining the podcast today. Um, if you are watching the video version of this podcast, hop over to your favorite podcast platform. You can download all of the previous episodes of the podcast, listen to them to and from your commute to work or wherever you're out and about and you've got your headphones on you. Uh, and alternatively, if you're listening to today's podcast, there are video versions of the podcast over on eventindustrynews.com. And whilst you're there, don't forget to check out all of the latest news and special features that have been put up onto the Event Industry News website. For the time being, our thanks once again to Johnny Ross from Fleet Marketing for joining us on the podcast today. My name is James Dixon, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks very much and goodbye. Goodbye.